Uh, I, I um, heard about a reflective believer who was asked what he got for Christmas. And he wisely replied, uh, well, I didn't get what I wanted, but it doesn't matter because it's not my birthday. And I think we forget about that during Christmas. It's like, oh, this is for everybody else. No, this is to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest gift that was ever given to this world, to you and I, is the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ and relationship, restored relationship with God. And that's what this Christmas season is really all about. So we give gifts in honor of that, of the great gift, but somehow lost in all of it is I want my kid to, you know, get the Xbox One and it's $9 million and I, I want all this other stuff. It's not about that. That's, it's not that that's wrong, but let's not lose perspective on where we're going and how we can help our kids the most and our family the most through the season, and that's to draw closer to Jesus Christ. So I'm doing a sermon today. I was, I was thinking, you know, what I want to do for Chris, the Christmas service this year, the Sunday before Christmas. And, uh, you know, Mary, Joseph, awesome part of the story. Uh, you know, Jesus is really the, the center of it. But I, I, as I was reading, I thought I wanted to hone in on the shepherds this year. Why the shepherds? The very first time that God revealed publicly that Jesus was born was to shepherds on the hillside. Why did he send his angels there first? Well, let's look at the story, and then we'll talk about that. Luke 2, 8. This is, the Charlie Brown Christmas special is my favorite, because this story is read in it. Uh, I just, they actually read it word for word. It's awesome. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, and you would have been too if angelic beings started to talk to you. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped, in, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So here it is, the very first public announcement and God sends his angels to the shepherds. Why did he choose the shepherds to announce the Savior's birth? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that brings truth to our hearts and lives. Thank you, Lord, that it's not our thoughts or the thoughts of others or a mixture of all those thoughts that makes up truth. Your word is truth. And you've given us your word through the Holy Bible. And God, when we read it, 
when we speak it, your spirit anoints it. And I ask that you'd anoint it today as we look at these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me give you some reasons that I think he might have appeared to the shepherds on the hillside. First, I find it interesting that he went to them when what was really being revealed was that the Lamb of God had come. Jesus is the Lamb of God. These guys take care of sheep all the time. And they have little lambs that, that, that they raise up. Luke 2.8, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. If anybody understood what it meant that, to, to know that the Lamb of God would come, was coming, had come, it's these guys. They care for their sheep every day, and they did it for wool, milk, and to create other little lambs. It was a business. These guys are businessmen. They're out there creating a market. But they understood that also that every now and then one of the perfect little lambs from their flock was taken to the temple to be a sacrifice. Now that sounds kind of gross, doesn't it? Why, why was that happening? Why would there be a temple sacrifice where a, a, the life and the blood of an animal were literally, literally shed? Well, let me tell you, it's very clear in the Word of God that God the Father asked for this to be done. Here's why. Because sin must be punished. And the punishment of sin was stayed annually when a lamb was brought. Once a year, they'd slay the lamb, and the punishment, the wrath of God against sin fell on the lamb so it wouldn't fall on the people. Right? You you understand justice is good, right? I mean, if there's a rapist, a serial rapist, don't you want him out of circulation? Don't you want him in prison? Or I don't know what you want. Or worse, uh, justice is a good thing. God is completely holy, and justice is part of his character. Justice must happen if you're God. And justice is that sin that hurts people and wounds others and wounds creation must be punished. But God was making a way where the punishment would fall on an animal. Really, that was mercy too. But it wasn't once for all. It was just every now and then. Take a look at this. It's kind of heady, but I wrote it down, and I want you to catch what this is. When you hear the, the term atonement, Here's what it means. In the Old Covenant or Old Testament, atonement for God's people, or rather, atonement for the people's sin came in the sacrificial system where God as a substitute for death, which the sinner deserved, accepted the death or blood of an animal. So that animal would atone for the sins of the people for just a season. Now the shepherds knew that there was a prophecy of a Messiah that would come, that would be the spotless lamb that would take away the sins of the world once for all. And so it's kind of interesting that when God reveals that the Lamb of God, the Lamb, capital T, the Lamb of God, the Messiah had come and had been born in Bethlehem, they're excited because they get it. They raise these little lambs all the time for the sacrifice. They understand the shedding of blood for the remission of sin, and they know the prophecies. And God revealed it to them first. We see it in the New Testament, this concept of the Lamb of God. When John the Baptist, do you remember John the Baptist? Uh, uh, You you know, he was was a bearded wonder with lots of leather, kind of like the Duck Dynasty guy, as I'm thinking about it. But but it 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 was John the Baptist, and he was going through the countryside at the will of God and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand. Let me just say this. Repentance is part of the gospel. Uh, People will tell you otherwise these days, but it's all through the Bible. If you read the Bible and you believe the Bible, 
Repentance is part of, of, of the gospel, that we're supposed to repent of our lifestyles of sin and turn away if we're coming to Jesus Christ. He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then it says in verse 29, right after that, the next day John, it's John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God. He, he sees Jesus Christ. The Lamb of God. Listen to me, church. The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ who takes away the sins of the world. He bore on that cross, he came to this manger to live a life. This is what the Bible says about Jesus. He's the Lamb of God, but he was spotless. He's the only one who ever walked this earth that never sinned. He never sinned in the 33 years of his life. The lamb that was delivered for the sacrifice in the temple in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, had to be spotless. There couldn't be a blemish. You couldn't offer something that wasn't your best because it was for the shedding and the, uh, the shedding of blood for the remission of sin. And the spotless lamb had to be without blemish. So why did God send Jesus? He came as a baby to live a life to, to fully God, fully human, Jesus Christ, and show that he was the spotless lamb. He never sinned. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. The spotless lamb. He was sacrificed. But here's what happened when he lived his life, which he had to do for these 33 years to, to, to show us. He's the, the Bible says this, he's the faithful high priest who never sinned. And he showed us the way. He showed us it's possible to walk in a life. You say, can you live sinless? Well, I don't know. I've never seen anyone do it. I'll just tell you that. But I'll tell you this. You can sin less and less all the time. And, and that's, that's this process called sanctification in the Bible where the Spirit of God comes and helps you to come out of all the bad stuff that's hurting you and hurting others. God can help you. He's strong enough. And, and, and Jesus showed us how to live. Uh, and, and then he came and he died and he paid the price on the cross. His blood was shed that day by God the Father willfully, deliberately, it wasn't spilled, that's an accident. It was shed, that is purposeful. And when Jesus said, it's finished, what he meant was, I came and did what I came to do. I came to live as the spotless lamb, and I came to die as the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It is finished, the lamb of God. And while he was there on the cross, the Bible says that all the sins of mankind fell upon his back. Now think of that, my sin. It wasn't just the sin of the past, it was the sin of the future. All of our sin, all the bad things we've done. It was as if he had done them. And it pleased God to bruise him. That sounds brutal. Is God really that way? No, he's really that loving. It fell on Jesus so it wouldn't fall on you and I. Jesus took our place. And was punished for our sin. You ever heard of a name Cliff Barrows? Uh, over 60 years with Billy Graham as his music director, traveling everywhere with him, man of God. And you know, when you travel like that, uh, I, I have friends who are evangelists and are gone all the time. It's really hard to discipline your kids when you come home, right? Because you don't see them as much as you'd like to anyway. And, and so, you know, you, you don't, you don't want to have that scenario going where, okay, they need three spankings because this happened two weeks ago. Cliff, Cliff, Cliff wanted to love on his kids when he came home, but they had done something wrong, and they had done it several times in a row, and they deserved a spanking. And here's what he did. It was really interesting. True story. 
Cliff took his kids into the bedroom and he pulled off his belt and he took his shirt off. He said, I told you kids that this is bad, that'll hurt you, it hurts others. And so instead of spanking you today, I'm going to have you spank me. He said, I want you to take this belt and hit me hard on the back 10 times, 10 lashes. And he said he made them do it. And they cried as they put the stripes upon their own dad's back. He said when they were done, he got up and hugged them and told them he loved them and that sin would hurt them and hurt others. And he said, you know what? I never had to spank them again after that. In a sense, that's what Jesus did for me. And I'm really glad I don't have to tell you my worst stuff. I'm really glad. I'm really glad you don't have to tell people your worst stuff. And instead of getting what I deserve, I had Jesus take stripes and go to that cross in my place. And so did you. And we're forgiven. He paid the price for us. There is no greater story. And there is no greater love. Jesus, the Lamb of God, the sacrifice for our sin, stood in our place and took the punishment for us. And because of this, we're forgiven. All we have to do is admit that we're sinners and take the grace of God, the unmerited favor. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. Stop that stuff if you're trying to do that. I've heard it many, many times in my life. Well, when I get my life squared away, I'll come to God. Well, guess what? You'll never get completely squared away. You'll never get your act completely. You won't get it together completely after you come to Him. Come to Him as you are. Take His forgiveness now and receive that refreshing of your soul and eternal life. He came as the Lamb of God. The shepherds on the field in the field that night when they heard the angel, completely understood that. Here's another thing they understood. They understood that this prophecy that these angels were speaking about, the one who had come, was the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. These are shepherds that he came to. Verse 9, we'll read more of the story again, repeated here. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and The radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded him. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. See, God, the good shepherd, is sending a messenger and shepherding the shepherds even in these moments. Don't be afraid. He wants to comfort them and care for them. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. See, that's what the shepherd does. When When he comes, he brings joy and fulfillment in life. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth. God was saying this message of the good shepherd has come. Don't be afraid. Peace has come to you, to those with whom God is pleased. So the good shepherd is on his way, and they understand this, and they start to rejoice. Did you know, so, so let's talk about shepherding for a moment. He's the good shepherd, Jesus says. He came to shepherds uh, with his first public announcement. Some of the greatest people in the Bible were shepherds. If you read the Bible, you know that uh, some of the prophets, Abel, uh, and, and then prophet Amos, and Rachel, uh, was, was a shepherdess. And, and then the patriarchs, Moses and David, all shepherds. 
And it was an occupation that was well understood in the Middle East. And it's still there today, by the way. If you go, you still see the shepherds on the hillside. And God used this this, uh, occupation to help his people understand about his relationship with them. Jesus the shepherd, and we're the sheep. And the shepherd really cared for the sheep, so they understood in those terms how God really loved them and would care for them and protect them. Even today in the Holy Land, you may see shepherds tenderly and skillfully leading their flocks. But this might surprise you. They know each one. They they know the animal intimately. They know that animal's fears. They know if you get in the high places, if one doesn't do so well. They know who has a tendency to stray. They know some that might be meaner to others and they, they have all these things, just like a kindergarten class almost, where you, you, just, you just learn, right, if you're a teacher, what these kids are like, and you just try to help them get to a, another place and protect them and bless them all. Jesus was shepherding, um, even when, he, when, when, when God sent them to the shepherds, they were, they were seeing these characteristics. And Jesus spoke of his relationship with us in terms of, of us being sheep and him being the shepherd. And here it is in, in John 10. That's a great chapter explaining about the shepherd, Jesus Christ. Verse 3 says, the gatekeepers, these are the words of Jesus, by the way. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice, and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, so the shepherd knows their names. And he leads them out. He walks ahead of them, and they follow him, for they recognize his voice. One of the things that's kind of interesting in this culture, the sheep pen, when they would bring the sheep in at night, wasn't necessarily a fence but it, uh, of wire, but of, of stone. So they would either square it off or round it off, and at night they'd take the sheep into the pen. But what might surprise you is they took several flocks into the pen. So they would all herd up there at night together, but in the morning they'd have a porter at the gate, and the porter would make sure nobody would go in and get the sheep, and sometimes it was the shepherds who would take a rotation that were the porters at the gate. But when the shepherds would come in the morning, all they'd have to do is step through the gate and call out with a voice to their sheep, and each flock, true story, each flock recognizes the shepherd's voice. So there might be several flocks together, but the ones that belong to this shepherd will all come to him because of his voice, and then they go out together. So when Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, what he's saying is, hey, I've been around you for a while. I've shepherded you. I've loved you. I've protected you. I'm, I'm blessing you. You understand who I am. And so it's easy to come to him, right? Because we know he takes care of us. And he watches over us. And we follow him because we recognize his voice. That verse says that he knows our name. He knows your personality traits. He knows your fears. He knows your dreams. He knows every personal trait that you have. He knows where you've been, what's been hard. He knows where he's going to take you. He knows you intimately. He knows you before you're a Christian. Did you know the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit drawing people to God who don't know Jesus Christ? The Holy Spirit is working in the life of even unbelievers. It's not in the heart of but working in the life to continually draw you to the love of Jesus Christ. Well, verse 9 says, 
Uh, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in by way of the gate will be saved. You say, why do you use the term saved? It seems so old-fashioned. Because Jesus used it. It's a Bible deal. Here it is. Jesus said, you will be saved, and you'll go in and out and find green pastures. Jesus, so many people are afraid of Jesus. I, I heard a story of a lady who uh, noticed that a diesel truck was right up near the back of her car, way close. And so she made a right turn, and then the diesel truck followed her. Then she went into a residential area, and the diesel truck followed again. Then she got afraid. She thought, what, this, this guy's after me. And, and, and she parked at a service station and ran in screaming, someone help, help, help. And at that moment, the truck driver got out, went to the back of the car, and found a man. He had seen from his perspective a man hiding behind the seat that was going to attack her, and he pulled that man out. He was following her to rescue her the whole time, and she scared to death of him. I think people are that way with God sometimes. What are you running from? This is the good shepherd. He's here to protect you, to bless you, to help you, to rescue you. Not, he's not here to hurt you in any way. He loves you. He wants to put you in green pastures, a safe place. We do things on our own, but sometimes we're not too safe. We call it thrill-seeking, you know the drugs, the, the alcohol, the drunken parties, the multiple relationships. It's what we want. We can do what we want. Yeah, well, you can do what you want. But we find ourselves in a place someday. God won't violate your will, by the way. He lets you choose. But we find ourselves in a place. You know, maybe we're just mean and we say to people, that's the way I am. If you don't like it, you can lump it. And they don't like it. So they don't come around and they don't want to be close to us. And we, we create our beds sometimes. We create our path. And we can do what we want, but Jesus comes to rescue us even from ourselves. He not only wants us to be loved, he wants the others around us to feel loved. So he, won't, he loves us too much to let us stay where we're at. He'll bring us to safe and green pasture, even if we want to go another direction. He wants to bless us and he calls us to himself. John 10, 10 explains this, that thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Still talking in this context of sheep, by the way. And the thief would jump over the wall. They couldn't come through the gate. And, and the sheep wouldn't follow the thief because the thief's voice wasn't one they recognized. So they had to just steal him back over the wall when they grabbed him. And then they would bring destruction to them. And the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief, of course, in this passage in context for our lives, is the enemy of our souls, the, the one the Bible calls the devil. And he comes to steal, to kill and destroy, it says. But Jesus said this, this is the good shepherd talking to you. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. What? He's not trying to ruin your quality of life. He's going to make it better even on this earth. But it's not just this earth. Verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He laid down his life so we could have eternal life connected to God in heaven. He was the bridge back to God. He is God, leading back to the Father. I think it's interesting that Jesus not only gave his life for us, we see it in verses 10 and 11, but he gives his life to us right now, the full life. The best life possible on this earth is a life lived with Jesus in your heart. True story. You say, how do you know? You're a preacher. I don't deserve to be one, I'll tell you that. I know because I once lived apart from him. That's how I know. I've been down both roads, and this one's way better with Jesus. I didn't deserve it, but I found grace. 
And life in Jesus is the best life possible on this earth. John 10, 14, Jesus says, I'm, I am. There's the I am statement. God said to Moses, I am that I am. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And know my own sheep and they know me. That word know in the Greek speaks of um, more than just a casual, you know, I, I recognize you. It speaks of an intimate relationship between God and his people. When he says, I know them and they know me. The Eastern shepherd, that Middle Eastern shepherd knows his sheep personally and, and therefore he knows how to minister to them best. You know, God doesn't choose the same application in our times of hurt and trouble for each one of us because we're all so different. He'll meet us in the perfect way for who we are and where we are. And he'll help us through it. He knows how to minister to us because he's the one who created us. One of the characteristics of sheep is... Um, and I hate to tell you, we're, you know, we're compared to sheep. Sheep are really dumb animals. They, they really are. They, one of their characteristics is, and, and we're dumb if you compare us to God, right? Your IQ, his IQ, all right? Face it, it's not quite as high. And, and so, so, but one of the characteristics of sheep is they stray and they get lost quite often. If left to themselves, they, they don't know how to really fend for themselves and take care of themselves, and they wander. They get lost. I remember when I was 14 years old, I went on my first big hunting trip with my dad. I knew how to shoot, but I really didn't know how to hunt. As a matter of fact, uh, 40 years later, it's still the same. Um, um, but I, I, the very first hunt, they took us up at the top of this mountain in the, in, in the, the, um, the Blue Mountains in eastern Oregon. We were hunting elk. And uh, I had a gun in my hand, and it was two feet of snow, and the snow was falling softly in kind of a cool setting. And they said, okay, here's the deal. We're all going to walk over the mountain, down the ridge, and then out to the road. And we had people, you know, you try to flush animals out, so you have people in other, you know, down below as well, so you're walking through, and the animals may come out. And um, so they put me on the far end. They said, okay, so just walk down. When you hit the road, you know, walk back to, to the middle, and we'll meet you there. Stay on the road. We'll find you. Well, what happened is, is I went a little wide, and so there was a ridge where the mountain turned, and the road turned, and I went off the wrong side here. So even though I was on the end, I went on the other side of the ridge and down. So I walked in this snow for an hour, and I didn't hit the road. And I thought, this is weird. And they said, you know, if you get lost, just fire two or three shots. And uh, so I, I let the shots go, and when the snow's falling and you're on the other side of the ridge of the mountain, it sounds miles away and they couldn't recognize it. They couldn't hear it. The, the falling snow mutes sound. And so I walked another hour and I shot my rifle several more times and I, I wasn't being found. This is the wilderness. I'm 14. I, I hardly ever wear a coat. I just wore it because we're in the snow, you know. And I don't know how to take care of myself. So I walk for three or four hours, and it starts getting dark. And this little lamb started talking to the good shepherd. <laughs> uh, I don't know where I'm at. I am afraid. I could die tonight because the temperatures were below freezing in, in the daytime, in the night. It, it would drop below the teens into single digits. And I made this decision, I'm going to have to walk all night because, and you know, then I've got this problem. I've walked so much, I'm sweating, 
right? So this, this is a problem when you're in cold weather. But I, I, I feel like if I, I'm so tired that if I stop, I probably walked 10 miles in the snow. If I stop and rest, I could fall asleep and I could die. So I thought, I'm going to walk all night long. And I'm praying. And after a 10-mile walk, not having a clue where I'm at, I saw the glow of someone's fire. And I walked into the fire, and unbelievably, it was our camp. My dad was there, and they were there, and they go, we were just praying for you. How'd you find us? I said, I have no idea. I didn't know where I was. I thought of that story this week, and I thought, that's a lot like we are as people and lambs. We, we get lost, and we don't really know where we're at. I'm so glad that the good shepherd heard me that day. I give him all the credit for leading me into that camp, because, I mean, what are the odds? After 10 miles and hours and turning every which, I, I don't know which way's north. I don't know anything. But Jesus knew where I was, protected me, helped me. That's, that's what he wants to do with us. He wants to help us. And if we're honest, honest, all of us get lost at times. Get lost in that trial. We're hurt so bad we don't know which way is up. We get lost because we chose a direction that God said don't go. And then we get there and say, will he love us? He will love you. He will lead you out. He's the good shepherd. He comes to find you and lead you to safe pasture. I love the beautiful poetic description of the good shepherd in Psalm 23. I want to read it to you in the living Bible, uh, a paraphrase. But you see the characteristics of the good shepherd. Now, now remember, he's talking about you in this passage, how he wants to bless you. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. When we stay close to the shepherd, we have everything we need. He lets me rest in the meadow grass and he leads me beside the quiet streams. You see what his will is to, to bless you, to comfort you, to help you, to keep you in the safe place? He gives me new strength. He helps me do what honors him the most. Even when walking through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Guarding, guiding all the way. You provide delicious food for me in the presence of my enemies. You have welcomed me as your guest. Blessings overflow. Your goodness and unfailing kindness shall be with me all of my life. And afterwards, I will live with you forever in your home. Good, the good shepherd. Even in the worst of times, he's there to help us. You know, Christmas um, is a wonderful season for most of us. Family and friends, great memories. But I'm, I'm telling you, that there are people here today, reality, that don't like Christmas. And it's not because of the Jesus thing. It just reminds them that they're alone. It just reminds them that there's no family for them, that their family's broken, that there's never really been anyone who truly loved them that was a human in this life that they can find, that would want to be with them on that day. That hurts. You know, Jesus is the good shepherd who comes to that person and says, I want to be with you. I want to lead you and guide you. And you know what he does? He fills our hearts with so much love. We're not even thinking about ourselves anymore. We just think about how to bless others. And then we get the greatest blessing of all. Jesus says, there may not be anyone there to love you, but I'm going to love through you and your life will be fulfilled incredibly as you love others. He's here as the good shepherd, no matter what we are going through. And we all need the good shepherd. 
we face tough times. Right now, the Russell family is going through a trial. And we need the good shepherd. And we're asking him to help us and lead us and guide us. Because he, he, even though he's good, and, and under, understand, that doesn't mean you'll never have trouble in life. The Bible says, John 16 says, in this world you will have trouble. Those are the words of Jesus. The Bible tells us that there's a place where there's no more pain, no more crying, no more tears. But that place is called heaven. We need the good shepherd here to help us through the hard times, the valley of the shadow of death it spoke of, the loss of a loved one. How do we make it through these trials without the good shepherd? Well, we don't have to go through it without. He'll comfort, he'll lead, he'll guide, he'll help. The good shepherd, the shepherds on the hillside understood that the good shepherd had come. It was the beginning of Jesus, the Messiah, taking his throne, the King of Kings. Third thought today that we can learn from the shepherds and what God was doing that day coming to them. As I looked at this passage, I saw something. Jesus wants us to tell others like the shepherds did. Read more of the story. Repeat it again. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the story were astonished. Now, check that out, verse 17. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone. They told everyone. And the people who heard this story of Jesus the Messiah coming were astonished. Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God. For all they had heard and seen, it was just as the angel had told them. Between services, someone who'd been in one of these countries where their shepherds said, you know what? Also, the, these shepherds were how they got news out. They still do that these, these days in, in, in the Middle East and, and parts of, uh, of Africa. This is what they were telling me, that that uh, the shepherds, that's how you get the news known, is that if, if there's something to be known, the shepherds go out and they greet each other and they talk to each other and then they spread it back to their communities so it was spread all over by the shepherds in, in, in that culture. I thought that was interesting. But these guys heard, they went, they received by faith the message, they found the baby, they found Jesus, and they reported the news to others. They're a good example for us. God wants us. Now listen, as we come into this holiday season, you're going to have friends and family who don't know Jesus around the table. God wants us to announce and tell them about the good news. Let me say a couple things about that. One of the things I've learned in life is if I will pray for opportunities to witness and open my heart up and say, Lord, you create the opportunity and, and I'll seize it, then opportunities show up. I mean, there are seasons where I kind of forget to do that, but when I pray and ask God for opportunities for an individual or just in general, opportunities come. He wants me to do it more than I want to do it. And here's what I find about those opportunities. <clears throat> They're not awkward. <clears throat> you don't have to stand on a table and say, turn or burn to reach someone. <clears throat> Excuse me. When I was in college, I recall praying for a guy that was on our basketball team. And um, if, if you had the word pagan, you know, his life was the definition, man. The way 
he was uh, a crude and rude dude. And not, uh, he, was a, he, he was a woman chaser, but, but uh, didn't care about the women. And uh, <clears throat> so I, I prayed for him that the Lord would give me an opportunity to, to share Jesus with him. And, and one day, this guy who cared nothing about God as far as I knew, not one little bit, said to me, uh, as we were shooting around before practice in basketball, he said to me, uh, I've noticed something about these Christian girls. They're, they're, they're nicer than, the, than these other girls. And uh, I think that they would be truer to you if you were married to them, that they might be faithful. He said, uh, I'm wondering if that's the kind of girl I should marry. What do you think? So here, I mean, I'm talking to this guy forever. I pray for an opportunity, and he comes up with a question. What I'm trying to tell you is that it may not be as hard as you think it is. As we pray, the Holy Spirit moves, and then an opportunity comes that's beautiful. And you don't have to be mean. But here's another thought. Use Scripture. So you've got to know it to use it, right? We're going to read about a testimony in a moment where Scripture was used, and it made a huge difference in that person coming to Jesus. I don't have enough good words to help people get saved. My words, my personal words, aren't anointed uh, at every turn in everything I say. The Word of God is, is the inspired Word that comes from the Holy Spirit. Everything in the Bible is attended by the Holy Spirit. Every word in this book is attended by the Holy Spirit. So when we quote the Word, even though we might think it needs explanation, you know, and we try to help it, when we quote the Word, something happens as the Holy Spirit uses the Word to touch people's hearts. So um, you don't have to know everything, just pray. And when the time comes, use some Scripture. You know, if they want to know, say, well, here's, here, you know, here's a thought. So they received by faith, and they went to be witnesses right away. They saw the baby, and they went out, and they, they started telling everybody about the good news of Jesus. Matter of fact, the Bible says we should tell others too. Here it is in 2 Corinthians 5, 19. It's for you and I. This is not to preachers now. It says, For God was in Christ, restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. So there we have the Lamb of God, right? This is talking about he's taking away the sins of the world. And look what it says, next line. This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. What? Listen, it's not uh, a combination between what you and I think is important. It is this message that he's come to restore the world by blotting out their sins, and he did it through Jesus Christ. That's the message. That's the good news. And that's what we're supposed to tell others. You say, I don't think it makes enough sense. Trust me, it's attended by the Holy Spirit. It just is. It goes beyond your words when you, get, when you get it out there. We are Christ ambassadors. What's an ambassador? They go on behalf of this nation to another nation to try to put us in good relationship and keep it rolling with positive things, right? We're his ambassadors. We're going to people, trying to connect them to how wonderful Jesus really is, and when they catch that, they're going to get into Jesus. We're his ambassadors. God is using us to speak to you. We beg you, as though Christ himself were here pleading with you, receive the love he offers you. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. We're begging. That's strong. Another version 
says, I implore you. That's a, that's a cool word. It means to be really serious about helping you get connected here. For God took the sinless Christ, verse 21, here's that Lamb of God, and poured into him our sins. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. That is a pretty good exchange for us. Our sin out, his goodness in. Pretty cool. That's how mean people get nice. That's how alcoholics can break an addiction. There's a fellow in our first service named Dan, and I went out with him. Dan Taylor's his name. He told me I could use his name this morning. Uh, and I heard his testimony. It's incredible about how he came to Jesus. Did you know your, testimony, your testimony's incredible too? People think, I don't really have a testimony. Yes, you do. And if I could just sit with you for half an hour and hear your story, I could tell you how to tell it where it really inspire people. Because I've never met a person in the world who didn't have an amazing story about their journey with Jesus. And uh, he told me about his journey, and I said, Dan, I, I want to share that someday. This was months ago. And I called him this week because I thought of his story in terms of what we're talking about this morning. I said, Dan, would you write it out for me? I want to get it right. So Dan Taylor from this fellowship told me how he came to Jesus Christ. He wrote this for us today. He said, in 1968, a year after I was arrested for possession of marijuana, I was sentenced to five years in prison. My arrest was the largest drug bust in Clatsop County history. It would get a slap on the wrist these days, but due to the technicality, due to a technicality, my sentence was suspended. And I was given three years probation. Not a walk in the park, but better than prison. Though I could be surprised by my probation officer at any moment coming into my house, without notice, I still got deeper and deeper into drugs. Marijuana, LSD, speed, barbiturates, morphine, and various hallucinogens that were available in those days. The company I kept was a pretty savory bunch, but I started bumping into people that I had known on the streets of Portland, and these people were experiencing some kind of religious conversion, he says. I'd been raised in the Mormon church, so I thought I had a corner on the truth, and I'd just argue with them every time they tried to tell me about the Bible or Jesus. But there was one common thread in all their stories that got to me. They kept saying, Jesus loves you and he has a plan for your life. One Saturday night in March of 1970, when feeling utterly rejected at the lowest point in my life, rejected by the last person I thought would help me, I was driving down southwest Columbia in tears. I came across a friend with his guitar case headed home, Theo. And I had spent many days getting high with Theo and playing the blues in city parks and Lair Hill front porches. He'd just played a gig in the old Agora coffee house, and I pulled over and he opened the passenger door, and he said, how you doing? And he could see I wasn't doing well. I said, not good. I had been crying. What he said next were life-changing words to me. Theo said, I just learned this. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
as we talked at his apartment, I found out he'd just become a Christian three days prior. Now, here's a guy, Theo, that the Lord is using as a witness who found Jesus three days earlier, and all he had was, Jesus said, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And that was more than enough. You think, I don't know enough. You're right, and you never will. Study to show yourself approved. Dig in. Be blessed. But the gospel's pretty simple. Jesus loves you. has a plan for your life. Come unto me, all who are weary, and I'll give you rest. He said, Theo invited me to church the next day, and I agreed to go. And then he said, Theo is black, and the church was black. And I'd never seen anything like that before. <laughs> it was a different kind of church, a totally strange environment. Still, I answered an altar call that day. They shared the truth. And I asked Jesus to come into my life and save me from myself. And at that very moment, I knew I'd come home. He says, Stan, as I write this, I still fight emotions. This is my Ebenezer. So I looked up Ebenezer. I had to do a little research myself. It comes from an Old Testament passage where God delivers the people at this battle at Ebenezer. And the Israelite people would say, uh, this is my Ebenezer, meaning this is the place where God delivered me from. So it, was, it became a general statement of, I got delivered from this. He said, this is my Ebenezer. I used to sing a lot in church, and I did a guitar rendition of, come thou fount of every blessing, and it's appropriate here. So he's getting emotional as he's writing his own testimony. He's remembering and he writes down this hymn that meant so much to him in the early days. And here it is. The words of one of the verses of Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. He wrote it down for me. Here I raise mine Ebenezer. The drug addict. Here I raise mine Ebenezer. Hither to thy help I'm come. And I hope by thy good pleasure, safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. He had no idea what I was going to be talking about today when he wrote that down, but wandering from the fold of God, that's what sheep do. interposed his precious blood, there's the Lamb of God, the Good Shepherd and the Lamb of God has come to save us all.